Okay, here we go. Hello, everyone. Uh, my name is Adam G. Fleming, and welcome to The Deed Show. Uh, the Fleming family motto from Scotland back in the 1300s is let the deed shaw, which was the old way of saying show. So why not call it The Deed Show, where we do stuff, um, where people who have done stuff come on and talk to me and Aaron. So, or Aaron is, and I, as my father would probably correct me. So Aaron, tell the audience a little bit about your book, and then I'll talk a little bit about mine, and then we're going to spend most of the time talking about Brenda's book. January, I published uh, Kingmaker, my, my debut novel. It's even got my name on it and everything. Uh, it's still a lot of fun to hold that in my hand. Kingmaker, it's a fantasy adventure. Uh, you got goblins, you got enchanted swords, you got battle axes, you got... A little romance while well, a lot of adventure a little humor um kind of a dry midwestern flair to it i think uh, so i'm working on the third draft of a sequel called skeleton company and uh, my beta re readers are enjoying that quite a bit and giving me good feedback so i hope that'll be coming out maybe june or july so um that's what i'm working on these days adam how about you fantastic well um I'll tell you a little bit about Satchel Pong and the Great Migration. It's actually a five book series now, a completed series called the Satchel Pong Chronicles, which the entire five book set is available for pre-order now on Amazon, um, just for the e-reader version um, up until it'll be launching on April 1st. So that's coming out really soon. And um, I'm excited about that. What I'm working on currently is a, a book called old roads new friends which is not a fiction novel it's a it's a essays on the traveling that i did from portugal to spain last november and some thoughts on friendship so i'm excited about that book being nearly done with the editing phase and there's a few other things to be done before we put it out graphic design audiobook reading and all that kind of thing but it's feeling like it's it's funny it's like when you get when you get done with the editing process it's like okay we're halfway because now we got to do all the marketing but um yeah i'm excited about that so i'm excited to introduce my good friend brenda warren the solutionist <laughs> um and brenda tell us a little bit about where you're from I'm currently residing in Goldsboro, North Carolina. And, and you've lived in, you've lived all over the place, haven't you? Uh, actually, Adam, I have, as a retired Marine, I've traveled the world. So it is exciting that I settled down here in North Carolina and I'm loving it because it's peaceful. Oh, I like that. Your, your core values come out right away. You know, you like, you like a peaceful place. Mm -hmm. And uh, who's living with you, Brenda? My beautiful child, Alex, who is an artist and an amazing person. And uh, she's is she in uh, studying in university or something like that? Alex will start uh, the University of North Carolina School of the Arts for production and design in August. Okay, good. Congratulations to her for yeah. getting really excited about that. Yeah, really that's excited. excellent. 
All right. And you were just telling me a little bit earlier that uh, you've got a second edition of your book coming out. So launch and start telling us about your book and then Aaron will probably ask some ridiculous, great question. <laughs> well, I wrote my first book, Soul Search and Get On Board for Transformation using the tap-in method in seven days. And um, it was a challenge. And I was like, okay, because nobody told me you weren't supposed to be able to write a book in seven days. And, and I actually Accidentally, and all of a sudden, I started noticing people sending me messages. I couldn't figure out why these people were writing me, and I was getting money in my bank account. That was another thing that was interesting. Make a long story short, um, I wrote my second edition to fill in the gaps that people brought up because people were using my book all over the world to do book studies and to actually tap in, which is the method I created. Um, and that's what is a response to the people all over the world that started asking additional questions. I filled in the gaps and added additional information. And now the second edition is on Kindle and in Amazon as a paperback. Cool. Can can you? Uh, <laughs> I love how you accidentally published on Amazon. I'm not sure exactly how that happens, but <laughs> I have a I have a friend who started a coffee shop because she. He accidentally bought an espresso machine on, on eBay. So <laughs> happy accidents do happen. Could, could you hold your books up a little bit closer to the camera so, so we can? Yeah, this is the current book. And forget the light. I wasn't playing on this interview, so I have not had my curtain shut and I can't get up to get them. But anyway, this is Soul Searching. Get on board for transformation using the tab. Available on Amazon right now. And um, the tapping method is a five-step strategic plan to help people get from here to there. So a lot of people are told your relationship. I always say it's not where you are and where you're going. It's that gap in between that causes people to problem and tapping solves that. Brenda, what's uh, some some feedback that you've gotten from the tap-in method, whether it's through the book or through presentations, speaking that you've done or, or coaching that you've done. Can you tell us a story, obviously preserving confidentiality if you need to, but mm -hmm. tell us a story about someone who was really helped by the tap-in method and what they got oh, out absolutely. of it. Absolutely. Well, first let me tell you this. He said, not sure how you accidentally do it. Well, see, I was new to uh, self-publishing. And so I thought I was ordering the author copy so that I could proof it. But when I did, instead of just saving and continue, I saved and I published. So it yeah. was out there for six months before I even know the book was out there. And I started getting all these people saying how I changed their life. And I'm trying, trying to figure out, what are you talking about? And um, so <laughs> that's when I found out that women in Dubai, in Japan, Taiwan, Nigeria, uh, in the United States were actually getting groups together and tapping in. And so they started telling me how it changed their relationships, how well, people got out of debt, how, um, oh, my, one of my favorite specific stories is a 77-year-old couple who used the tapping method and began to have a better sex life, started dancing after dinner, started uh, just having an amazing life. They lost weight. So they really tapped in. There's eight different areas of the tapping method that I try to people get people to tap into. Tapping is universal. I always tell people, I can tap you into anything. And um, having that particular couple do what they did, I was blown away. There is a lady that 
uh, became debt free because this is the method I used to get debt free and change my life. You see, Aaron, I was married for 23 years and I walked away because it was a toxic relationship that was not um, helping me live my best life. And when I had to write the book, they said, write about what you know. Well, I, kn I know about transformation because I used the tapping method to lose 65 pounds, to walk away from my 23 year marriage, to become debt free, to get better spiritual practices, um, to change my mental state. Mindset is so important to me now. And so that's what I teach people to do. That's Thank incredible. I, I love this story. Oh, did you want to ask a question, Aaron? No, I was, I was just saying that's it's phenomenal to hear uh, hear about you getting messages from all over the world uh, when no clue. No clue. And, the, and, and what's interesting is you know how everybody always tells you to niche down. My problem is I'm so and not bragging, but I'm really good at a lot of things. I've had I'm a serial entrepreneur. I've had a sewing business, a lingerie business, a sex toys business. I've I've had a writing business. I've had, uh, what is it? That's a gift basket. Yeah, gift baskets, coaching, you name it. And currently I launched something new. I'm now doing media uh, training. So I'm always looking for that next thing to do because I get bored and I need to do That's great. When, when, did, you, when did you first start thinking about writing, uh, writing all this down? I was taking the VLV. It's the Veterans Law um, uh, Program. It's a free program for veterans to help them start their own business. Um, I have a traumatic brain injury and I was a post-traumatic stress disorder. And I found myself in a state because of my marriage and stuff of being suicidal. And one of my rehabilitations was to do something uh, to get myself in focus and to, to get grounded again. So VLV was the answer. I went to VLV and they said that we should do business. I said, well, really, if you write a book, uh, you know, write articles. And they said, you know, write about what you know. But I didn't realize that God was just saying that's something you should do. I took it as that's what I needed to do. So I wrote a book and <laughs> I, they were very shocked. They were very happy, but I had no idea what to do. I just simply did it. And the rest is history. So it's been amazing. But I've been writing my whole life, Aaron. I, I've been writing since I was a little kid because it was how I, I journal and I write because that's how I release my pain. Mm -hmm. Okay. Wow. I really, I, I want to go back to reflect a little, ask you to reflect a little bit more on this 77-year-old couple because I think- oh, yeah. You know, we have this phrase in the English language that you can't teach an old dog new tricks. Oh, yes, you and can. Absolutely not true. And mm -hmm. we, we've got to even just, we, we need to just eliminate, we should cancel that, you know, we should cancel that, that saying from our language. Um, it, it's really cool when you, so Aaron, our dad, um, when he was about 67, decided that he needed to be more grateful. So he started writing 10 daily gratitudes uh, in a journal. And what did he post on Facebook just the other day that he'd gotten to 25,000 or something? Wow. Uh, thousands and thousands. Yeah. 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 Uh, every day writes down 10 things he's grateful for. And obviously he repeats, you know, he'll, mm -hmm. you know, he's grateful for his kids. He's grateful for, 
but he's done 25,000 of these. And we see a, you know, is he a drastically different person? Probably not. I mean, our personality tends to stay what it is, right? But I would say even as, you know, maybe his health isn't as good as it was five, six years ago, um, he complains less about it because yeah. he's grateful every day. So talk to us a little bit about how, um, how you see people who are, you know, past the age of whatever age you want to talk about, you know, how is it uh, just as possible for them to change as younger people? That's a great question, Adam. And, you know, I'm 59 years old. So when people were basically telling me my life was over, and let me tell you, I went to the doctor because somewhere around 50 or so, things weren't working quite like they used to work. And I went to my doctor. He says, you're getting older. Get used to it. We'll give you some hormones. And I'm like, I'm not trying to hear that. Um, and they were just saying, you know, it's not going to work. Well, during my research, that's when I found out that we can have great sex lives well up until we take it to the ground, no matter what your age. So that made me fascinated with that. So I started researching on it. And that's part of how I was able to help the couple, Adam. And mm -hmm. I do also write 10 gratitude daily that when I get up in the morning, the first thing I do before I even, I'm writing them down. And it did really change how I see the world. Now back to the couple, how I was able to help them is this. Number one thing was the couple, uh, you know, having, uh, um, what do you call it? Mm. I'm trying to think of the right words. With my brain injury, sometimes I lose my words. So give me a minute here. Oh, I know it is. Having the um, hard conversations about sex marriage relationships are not always easy. And I've been part of a, a conference called Answers No Filters. So it started with that. It's a conference that happens every year in Savannah where they give biblical answers to um, questions. There's no, no limits and it is often fire. So that's where I started having these kind of conversations. And so this couple had the conversation because at 77, they weren't having an active sex life. And the lady was like, I'm dried up. The man was like, I have erectile dysfunction. I'm like, that's all in your head, but I can fix that. They have been to many doctors. And so we began to tap into that. Number one thing I asked them to do was change their diet. Um, and uh, well, actually the number one thing was to change their mindset. Did I asked them, did they believe it was possible at 77 to rekindle the romance? And they thought if they had the right resources, they believed they could because they knew they loved each other, but just the body wasn't working like it did in the past. So once we got clear that they were uh, willing to participate in the process and also believe that it was possible, it was on from there. That's when I got them to change their diet I asked them to begin to dance every night at slow dance specifically after dinner. Why slow dance? Because that touching, getting, uh, it creates intimacy and um, it develops closeness. And then I also asked them to take sulfur because our grounds are depleted. We're not getting a lot of that. And we need that in our body. For women of a certain age, I'm like I said, I'm 59 and I tell women that are telling me I'm dried up, oh girl, get you some sulfur. That thing will be like a spring chicken again. But nobody believed me, but now she knows it's the truth. Her, as for her husband, they just had to learn, get him to de-stress, relax. They both lost weight. Pretty soon I got the phone call. Baby, they call me baby. Baby, <laughs> he was getting it in. No Viagra, no nothing. 
They learned to relax. I also had them play some games. I teach people about playing games I call almost, and that's where you get to explore each other's body from head to toe. All that's coming out in my next book, The Relationship Book. That's not in this book. <laughs> um, but that's the deeper dive into the tap-in. So that's why I'm writing additional books. Um, and I'm doing it on each subject in the tap-in. And then once we got them to doing almost in, changing their mindset, change their diet, adding some supplements, and then just learning to enjoy each other, they now have a very active sex life at 77 and they're loving life. So it is possible. That, that is amazing and uh, very encouraging and uh, hope, hope building. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think but a there's lot of lots of people who are eager to, to hear that message. Yeah, I think they should, because in my mind, you know, especially I always say for married folks, I think that every married couple should have sex that makes the angels blush. But we often don't have that because we got caught into what society says is enough or the best or whatever. And I'm saying if you've chosen a life partner and you're married, that's a license to, I always say a license to screw. So I hope I can say that on y'all TV. <laughs> but because, you know, we're when not you're, on national when, TV. When you're, when you're single, you're out there doing the most. And then you get married when I act like Mother Teresa and the priests. Come on, y'all. Y'all better be getting it in and having a blast doing it because you are properly licensed to enjoy each other. We were designed for pleasure. And all of that is part of tapping in to having your best sex life ever at any age. I think you just sold a couple thousand books <laughs> in the last five minutes. <laughs> well, and those were the questions I was asked, Adam, was when I say the deeper dive, inside the book, I talk to people about relationships and stuff in the soul searching. Well, since asked, I thought, well, we can go deeper. So each section of the soul search tap in. I'm writing another book. I wrote a business book, The Truth About How to Save Money and Time, Simplify Business Tips. That's coming out in another couple of weeks. I'm doing this relationship and I'm writing a, a deeper dive into each and using testimonials from the people that have been helped by the book and by my coaching. Cool. So... So what's what's next for you? What are you hoping to do with uh, the, the year of 2022, which is nearly a quarter over now? Um, I have a lot of speaking engagements coming up. I'm expecting to actually develop my own tap-in retreat. I want to do that. I think it'll be a lot of fun to get a lot of people together when we can start really mingling and do stuff. If we start having surges, it's going to be virtual, but I'm hoping to do it in person sometimes around August. Um, and also to continue writing books because I like to write and I like to, you know, just help people. I'm doing coaching. I got my first, uh, my, I've been coaching people individually and stuff, but, and I'm doing a group mental fitness coaching program that started and that's been going really well. It's a six week program. So it's a lot of things happening. Well, you really are a ser serial entrepreneur. That's oh, Adam, I'm a money magnet. I'm making money in my sleep and I love it because it's about tapping into your best self. I tell people all the time, take the limits off. You know, life is a banquet and most of us are just eating off the edge of the table. I'm like, eat the whole table and enjoy yourself. I love that philosophy and I love that attitude. I'm, I'm curious about um, books that you're reading now or, or something that influenced you. Maybe even go back to your childhood. What's the What's the first book that you can think of where you, where you said something like, oh, 
I want to write a book or or just that that blew you away and, and opened up your world? I like that question. Nobody's ever asked me that, but there are two. One was called The Black Opal. And why that was so right, it was about a lady who was kidnapped by Indians. And it was, I remember thinking, and um, uh, she was, it was a white woman uh, captured by Indians, but she fell in love with the Indians. She started to love their culture. They came back to rescue her, but she went back and, I mean, I remember I could smell everything. I could tell, oh, it was just, I thought I want to do that for other people. And the second one was The Velveteen Rabbit. I love that book, you know, because The Velveteen Rabbit became real. And so for me, those two books sparked everything for me. I always wanted to tell stories and make people feel the way I felt. Because for me, I was that kid that lived in the library. My mother knew when I wasn't home, I was in the library. And it was like a dream come true when my mother moved us across the street from the library on King Sesson Avenue in Philadelphia. I was never home. I read everything and anything until a librarian taught me about how to read um, with purpose. And then that's when I began to read books by Neville Gordon, Lois Hayes, Bob Proctor, you know, just self-help and personal development books because I was sure that I was gonna grow up and be Tony Robbins. <laughs> so you started reading self-help what as a as a teenager or as a as a, as a what seven-year-old i was reading self-help i had my first business when i was nine years old bought my first house at 16 so i've been i've been all about entrepreneurship since i was a child because i had my own little candy store i sold stuff to the kids in my neighborhood i've always been and i hadn't thought about it but i've always uh, used to write poems for the kids for like bounty 50 cent and so always been doing that <laughs> you got to tell us a little bit more about the about the candy store you're nine years old you're running a candy oh, store what does that look like it looks like there's a it was a, a candy store uh what do you call them uh, a warehouse down one day i had went to there because i am a bubblegum fanatic and I had all these packs of razzles and bubblegum and some of the kids asked me oh can I have some and I'm like I'll sell it to you and that was the first time I realized wait a minute I can sell this stuff so I would take my allowance and go to the store and my mother would go with me and I'd buy up all the different kind of candies I knew the kids in my neighborhood and then my mother had that that I call it the horse door where it was half of a door in the backyard so they would come down our alley and I had my candy store in the laundry room of my mother's house. And then when my mother opened her sub shop, she gave me a section in her store to allow me to sell my candy. And all the adults are coming. They got to kick out the little kid back there selling stuff. So I learned very quickly. But this is also where I learned that I had a gift. That's why they call me the solutionist, because grown people would come and tell me all their problems, and I would help solve them. That's amazing. And there's another thread there, which is you, you said your mom was running a sub shop. Mm -hmm. Was she also a, a serial entrepreneur? or Serial entrepreneur, community activist. Mama was everything. <laughs> yeah, she was, doing, she was doing the most. That's great. So it's in your blood. Yeah, we were, we were the people that uh, we... we we thrift stored, we, we would actually go to the thrift store, get stuff, make it, and then sell it, like remake it and sell it, furniture, clothing, whatever. So we all sold, we we're very creative. 
were crafty. So we painted. My father was a construction worker, so I learned how to lay bricks when I was little. I would work in the summertime on construction sites. I could flip houses. So yeah. That's phenomenal. It's amazing. And I know you happen to be working on a children's book right now, too. Is it too early to talk about that project? Absolutely not. And that's because of you. You know, I took uh, one of Adam's creative writing prompt classes, which was really a blast. And they gave, he, Adam gives us like three words or something. And the words were three bunnies. <laughs> so with that, I had five minutes to write something. And I wrote my three bunnies story. And when I got done, I thought, hey, that could be a children's book. I thought I did pretty good on that. And so I gave it to my uh, Alex to uh, illustrate it. And Alex said, mom, why don't we make it an animation? So Alex is in the process of animating my five-minute written children's book. And I'm so excited about it. I can't wait for it to come out so I can show Adam what his prompt did for me. Is it going to, when you say animated, you mean there, she's going to make a little film? It's a film, yeah. It's really cool. A little. And, then I'm, I'm, and the next one, they're going to animate the second one we did, which was about when you asked if you were cat, you asked us that if your cat got a hold of the computer, what would your cat say? That's the second one that's going to come out. If your cat could type, yeah. The cat can type. Got mm -hmm. on your computer and wanted to type something for you, yeah. Yeah. So I did a story about, I don't have a cat, I have guinea <laughs> pig. So I did a story about my friend's cat, if they got on the computer and, um, uh what would they say to me and i thought it was pretty cool so that's going to be one also i love it how you take these creative writing prompts that are just supposed to be kind of little little games to get people people's juices flowing or you know they're not really intended to create finished products out of at all but you're <laughs> just like hey I, I love the confidence of like this is pretty good. I'm going to, I'm going to produce it, you know? And, <laughs> and that's because like, I think in stories, you know, when you, if you give me a word, I usually can put a, 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 a what do you call it? A beginning, a middle and an end to it. Uh, and I, you actually let me know that I had that gift. I know I could do it, but I had never really done it. And now it's like, somebody says, I'm like, oh, let me write a story. And I've challenged myself to do these little five minute uh, stories, and I'm teaching other people how to do it as well, specifically veterans with post-traumatic disorder PTSD. So that's I'm, I noticed that that uh, you just mentioned that Adam gave you this little prompt, and you took it and turned it into something, and now someone else is turning it into something. It seems like your your path in life is to just grab a hold of whatever comes by and and turn it into something. And as I, as I think about finances, you, you mentioned you help people get debt free. Um, I, I sort of feel like the, the dominant idea of, of money in our world right now, even, even in America, the wealthiest, like there's not enough and there's nothing for them. And, and now gas prices are going up and there's inflation and fear and uncertainty. What, what, what message do you have in your book for people who, you know, already had $8,000 of credit card debt and then, and then the gas prices started going up? You know, it always, I always say you have to shift your mindset about money. But when it comes to finances, for me, I had, I was in so much debt, I couldn't borrow money from my mama. And I really believe that being out of debt was not possible because that's the American way. But that's a lie from the pit. Once I figured out it was just math, it was like, what, what? You mean 
mean I can be out of debt? And then it was just a matter of doing it. The first thing I had to do, Aaron, was to stop spending. It's like, it's, it's really so simple. We make it so much more complicated than it what? is. Yeah, stop spending. <laughs> when I stopped spending, and then That's I started- un-American. Look, and, and, and then I started doing a wants and a needs test. Do I want it or do I need it? Mm-hmm. That is a game changer. I give myself 24 hours before I make a purchase so that I can get the emotion out of it because I'm an emotional spender. And I mean, when I say stop spending, also stop giving your money away. In my community, if one makes it, you feel like you have to help everybody else. I was paying other people's mortgages, their car payments, et cetera, et cetera. When the Bank of Brenda closed and I started shifting all that money towards my own debt, pretty soon, I didn't have any debt. All I have now is a mortgage. And then even that, I prayed about it. And God showed me how I could pay my mortgage. My 30-year mortgage that I just refinanced will be paid off in three years. It's just numbers. It's all about math. That's amazing. And then I really won't owe nobody nothing but love. How cool is that? (laughs) (laughs) Now, that, that does raise one challenge. What do you say to people who don't like math? I'll say find a buddy that does. I, accountability is the other part of tapping. Mm. When you get ready to make a, a real shift, and I'll give y'all, because I tell people all the time what the tap is. The tap in that five steps, the tap in is an acronym for the five steps you use to tap into what it is you want. T is transformation. You got to change your mindset and decide, I want to be out of debt. And then the A is for announcing and accountability. You're going to announce, I'm going to get out of debt. And then you're going to you're going to get an accountability partner because most of us, we're not going to do it on our own. If we could, we'd already been there. And then P, you're going to prepare by making sure that you do the things necessary. Cut up them credit cards, stop spinning, get your head out your butt, do it the right way. And then I, it's for imagination. We're going to imagine what your life would be like and how less stressful you'll be when you uh, hit that debt-free place. It's all about visualization there. And I teach them how to do that. And then in, you're going to nurture all of those things that you just put in place so that you can get the results you want. Because it's all about the breakthrough. We want you to have a change that lasts. This is a lifestyle, not a diet. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's great. Yeah. Any, any, kind of, uh, any kind of action that people are taking you know, you're not going to get out of debt if you do the needs and wants test for three days and then give up on it. No, you got to keep doing the needs and wants test every day for the next okay. 10 years or five years or, you know, however long it is until you're out of debt. So the nurturing one, that sounds really, really important. I love it. That's, that's pretty amazing. It's hey not guys. easy, but it's so worth it. So I have an idea here of just to Aaron, Aaron, if you have one more question, but I had an idea that we could just play a game together too, because yeah. Brenda loves those. So probably turn yeah. it into a product. <laughs> Did you? Yeah. Have- what? Well, go ahead. No, you gotta. You gotta. Yeah, um, I was thinking about uh, playing like a one word at a time story, going around. <laughs> oh, so, this is one of those. Uh, this is one of those um, listening games where you have to listen real carefully and get, and, and one of the principles behind it is you kind of have to give up where you think it's headed because a word that somebody else says might take it in a direct different direction. So you got to be spontaneous and flow with what the other people are doing. And I guess the last principle behind it is um, 
have fun, right? So, oh, oh, the other principle of improv like this, right. uh, to remember that it's totally okay to, to be the one who um, uses the boring words like the and 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 if, because those are all part of just building a story together. So it's a teamwork thing. Um, you don't have to be the brilliant one, right? So those are some of the, for anybody who's watching and wants to play this game, those are some of the principles behind it. And I'm sure this is going to be fun. So um, should we pick a topic or should we just start with something? What do you think? Uh, let's, let's just start with something and, and give us a time limit here. How long is this story? Uh, this story is going to take no more than five minutes. All right. Once. Go ahead. Once. There. Was <laughs> a rabbit that <laughs> jumped over. Can you say the fence, or you got to be one word? One word. Jump over a fence. I'll help you out. <laughs> a large fat pig <laughs> ran <laughs> under. The bridge. Both rabbit and pig ran fast, but nearby was an hunter. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> what I'm setting you up there for is uh, just hey, we we passed it back to you. Just keep going. The, the, the easiest, your, <laughs> I, I'm gonna I'm gonna interrupt the story here and say that when you're telling a bedtime story and it that needs to be it. done right now, just everybody dies. <laughs> no. Oh gosh. Is that, is that the kind of books you write where everybody dies? Uh I, I can't tell you about the ending of, of my oh, books, okay. but I've told a lot of bedtime stories over the years that have ended in an abrupt and tragic death. I think that's the good part about the improv and the stories like that. Now, I don't I don't remember us ever doing the one word. Usually we have a sentence or something, but that's really interesting. I would try that one because that would be really cool. And no, okay. I don't want people to three, die. Three minutes where we put three minutes left for this game and we're going to switch it up there was a hunter the rabbits ooh, ooh that's it okay the rabbit and the pig probably dead now I, if Aaron has you, anything to I, do. I think that story died we need to move to the next one no, I, I understand what he's doing you're trying to put kids to bed right everybody's dead now the story's over there's like it's you like, can't sleep oh but God. what happened to so-and-so nope is they're dead <laughs> see, see and that goes away from my positive vibes and that would stress out i'd be triggered on that one, you know? <laughs> okay positive vibes mm -hmm. uh let's do one sentence at a time instead of uh, okay aaron you start us <laughs> i'm gonna have to think about something other than hunting yeah. <laughs> One track mine, is it? <laughs> um, okay. A novelist had a bag of black jelly beans on his desk. He was excited because it was the first time he'd had them in years. 
he loved that licorice tang. It made him feel so powerful. Like every word that he typed into his story was rich and vibrant. It reminded him of the days when he was on the high school lacrosse team. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry, Brenda. I don't know where you're gonna go yeah, with that. I'm gonna go on the high school lacrosse team. Jelly beans. I'm sorry, I broke character, but I'm like, okay. Uh, high school, because that's where he first formed his love for black jelly beans. It was actually a gift from one of the high school lacrosse cheerleader girls which they were the only school that had a cheerleader squad just for the lacrosse team and she had a big crush on him and she this is a really long sentence and she, <laughs> and she gave him a bag of black jelly beans and he gave her a kiss he's never forgotten that young lady because she was fierce and so as he wrote his next novel, he pined for his high school love and ate jelly beans. And he was so distracted that he choked on a jelly bean and died. <laughs> I was like, I was waiting. I was waiting. <laughs> He's going to die. Oh, Aaron, Aaron was looking at the clock. He's like, time to, time to go to sleep, kids. <laughs> I was waiting there and I was like, I ain't gonna kill this guy off. <laughs> oh, I didn't want to disappoint. So there you go. There you go. <laughs> That's how it's done. If you're out there and you have little kids and you're listening to this podcast and you don't know how to get out of bedtime stories. That's how you do it, son. Throw off your characters. You could tell them they live happily ever after. That's also an option for those of you that have sensibilities and don't want to murder everybody in view. Oh. Oh. He never yeah. thought of that. <laughs> <Huh>. <laughs> Too late. Most of your kids are grown. <laughs> hmm. Oh, man. So what new series are you guys working on for your books? Yeah, well, I, uh, I I forgot to say at the beginning, Kingmaker is available on Amazon in hardback and paperback and uh, uh, ebook, of course. And uh, uh, voice actor Dave Honeycutt is working on the audiobook, okay. and I'm working on a, a sequel called Skeleton Company, um, which may or may not have skeletons. I don't know. You'll have to read it and find out. It's and, from uh, all the dead people. All his dead story. <laughs> they come back. They all come back. No, and uh, uh, I've got a third book in the works because it's it's fun. It's uh, it's just fun. I did think about killing off some characters in the first one, but they were too much fun. Um, so the working title of my third book is Onyx and Thunder, Ooh. and. Uh, mm. That sounds like, interesting. Yeah. yeah. Book two, I'll, spoiler alert, but it ends on something of a cliffhanger. We're, <laughs> off, we're off to another adventure to new unexplored lands. I'm That's trying cool. to imagine skeletons hanging on cliffs, and I'm just seeing the bones just keep falling. But <laughs> um, 
So Brenda, um, what I've been doing, I set up an audio uh, studio in my basement mm-hmm. um, because I'm self-publishing. Mm-hmm. And for people who don't know, like getting an audiobook done professionally is super expensive. Mm-hmm. So I have this series called the Stetson Jeff Adventures, which I wrote with my friend Justin Fike. Mm-hmm. And we put this uh, in paperback. This is actually a three book set. Um, and so it is Beatdown in Bangkok, Mayhem in Marrakesh, and Pandemonium in Paradise, Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. And Stetson Jeff is a Texan who travels the world in search of justice and a good piece of steak. Mm-hmm. He is kind of a cross between a Chuck Norris character and Forrest Gump. Um, so he's a little bit dense sometimes, but he's also super talented in some ways. And it's just comedy. It's just uh, kind of throwback to the old karate kids and blood sport and kickboxing movies from the 80s and a lot of fun. So I've been doing the audio books. I just finished the second one yesterday. I'm not putting them out yet. There'll be a Kickstarter later on this year. After I get done with all the audiobooks, I'm going to finish books four, five, and six. And then I'm going to have a big marketing campaign with a re-release of the first three, including audiobook availability, and then um, and a little bit of editing on the paperback and all that kind of thing. And then um, books four and five have been drafted for a couple of years and just sitting in a file. Uh, so I'll be pulling those out as soon as I'm done reading the audiobooks because I'm kind of refreshing my mind on who Stetson Jeff is so that I can get back into editing up uh, four or five and then um, eventually do book six and, and edit that and do all the audio recording. So I don't know, this might take me putting in an hour a day on that. You're doing <laughs> the audio yourself. So you're doing the audio yourself? doing the audio myself yep and i'm excited I, to hear that because i think you have an amazing voice and I'm, I'm looking forward to it yeah i do i do a texas i do a texas accent so <laughs> that's and jeff you know he says uh i was scared i can tell you now in retrograde i don't mm-hmm. mind admitting that i've been secretly hoping daddy would insist that i come home if he'd have said it twice i would have obeyed but he didn't so I do the little Texas accent for Stetson Jeff. Very nice. Very I have nice. a lot of fun with that. So Very nice. I think my Texas accent's decent, but I don't know. Somebody might say, no, you sound like you're from Alabama. Either way, I think that one of the best things that happens with writers is if they would just really remember that it's their words and they get to say it, mm-hmm. it makes a difference, especially if people hear you. Because I, I was one of those people, I didn't like my voice. And I would be like, oh, but people were like, your voice is okay. And that's when I realized I could do it myself and I didn't have to pay somebody else to do it. That's just one less expense that I had to write. And I always tell the people that I work with, start with something small, read your poetry or read someone else's poetry. Just get in the practice of Mm -hmm. reading, take your time. And that's what the edits are for. Mm -hmm. It doesn't have to, I used to think you had to do one shot, one kill, but Mm -hmm. that's military training. Get it in, get it done. Right. But when I discovered the power of the edit, it was on from there. Oh, yeah, definitely. And that is actually where I started was with my book of poetry, because I wanted to learn the editing tools and the, how to use the microphone and set it up right. So I started with my smallest existing book mm-hmm. and read that um, on audiobooks. So that is the only one that's available right now. Uh, you might have a copy of that Vortex Street book, Brenda. 
Yes, but I it, think it's, been it's available on audiobook now as well. So cool. um, that's the only one that's actually out. The other ones are just kind of getting the files are getting saved, and I'm I'm building up the uh, the backlog. So that's what I'm up to. So everybody, um, final piece of advice for writers. I say my final piece of advice is to write. There was this thing at one time I. Uh, I kept thinking I have to know all the grammar rules. I have to know all the words. So spell check and Grammarly are my best friends in the world. But I do a data dump and I just simply write and then I go back and do the edit. So my main piece of advice, just write and have fun doing it. Great. Aaron, last piece of advice for writers for today? Hey, it's, uh, yeah, here's my piece of advice for extroverts. If you're an extrovert and you're having a hard time with writing because it's so lonely, write a thousand words and share it with somebody right away. Get a little bit of feedback. It'll juice your energy back up and, and you're back at it again. All right, great. And my final piece of advice for writers is beware the je black jelly beans. <laughs> Always beware. Always beware the black jelly beans. Oh, you have some. We have some. Oh my God, please don't show. <laughs> of course he does. Mm, that's too funny. Yeah, well, Brenda, it's been awesome to get to meet you. Um, I look forward to getting a copy of your book. Um, yes, sounds please. great. I'm going to learn how to tap in. Adam, you want to tap in? You want to close us out, Adam? All right. Well, everybody, let the deed show. <laughs> All right. Okay.